Ninja Turtles, Nightmare Stones, and new comics from Image that I think you should check out. My name is Hilton Price, and I am an OK Geek. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm almost weekly this week. I don't know how that happened. You know how it happened is the more I do it is I want to get better at this, and I want this to be a serious podcast. The solo cast is something different for me. Uh, I've been doing Opinions Like A-Holes with Michael Zampino for like seven years now, and we've got that down to a science. But just sitting here and kind of going off the cuff and riffing about one of my favorite topics, or two of my favorite topics, although I haven't talked about video games in a while, doing that solo is a different thing for me. And it's gave me a lot of challenges, like, you know, even just the speed with which I talk, you know, like I know that coming out of the gate so fast can be kind of jarring to some folks. So I'm trying to find the right way uh, to, to do this, to do this on my own, where I don't have someone else to bounce off of, which helps me kind of reset. I don't know. I don't know. Let's stop talking about that existential NUI and get into the comics this week because I've got a stack. And it's because I've wanted to play catch up and because I have been neglecting this podcast. Uh, so I do want to get back to one of the things that I really want to get into, which is what I love about comics and games. And right now the focus for me is comics uh, and the big series that I've been into. Uh, and I wanted to share a little bit of that with you guys. Uh, and we're going to kick things off with Ninja Turtles, man. You guys know that I'm a big IDW fan uh, for their work with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, how much I've loved that uh, main series, which is going on about 141 or 42 issues now, coming out of that massive crossover, the Armageddon game. And I really liked that. And for IDW's first big, uh, you know, in-title crossover, they crossed over with other properties. That's actually one thing that IDW is doing well is that, but the this big event, Event is probably the word I should be using. This big central event for their title and having the spin-off book, Armageddon Game, having this, or excuse me, having the, the, the central book, the Armageddon Game, having the spin-off book, Armageddon Game, the Alliance, uh, and then working with the eponymous TMNT. That has been a big project for IDW. Feels like the biggest one they've taken on. And I think they nailed it. I think they nailed it. Not only in the structure with the three books uh, working with each other, but in the narrative therein where I really felt they did a great job. Uh, Tom Waltz, Sophie Campbell, Kevin Eastman, everybody that was working on that project, they did a hell of a job. Uh, there's more, there's more, and I'm sorry I don't know them all off the top of my head. They, they did a great job um, keeping all the players in play in unique and interesting ways. And I'm not going to lie, it did not go the way that I wanted because we didn't really get uh, the, 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 the Turtles, the core cast, uh, the, 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 the five turtles uh, fighting in unison, fighting together until the end of the book. They were very much in disparate paths early on. And I think that was the intent. But for someone like me who really loves that dynamic between uh, the main five and, of course, the core four, um, it definitely did it went in ways I wasn't expecting. But by the end, I could not say what an excellent job they had done. So now TMNT faces the unique challenge of going back to its regular stories after coming out of this massive project. And, you know, it, it was interesting experiencing that as I jumped into issue 140 this week. And I'm always a little bit behind, so you guys know that is not the current issue, but uh, 140 uh, from about two months back is where I'm jumping in this week. And it was definitely, it reminded me a lot of that first issue of like a new Avengers series that comes out after a major event or, you know, uh, the, 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 new, the new Superman book coming out after a major event where the first couple pages are always like the, uh, the thought bubbles over scenes of the city cleaning up. Where it's like, uh, well, in the days since Darkseid's last attempted conquest, things have been getting back to normal. And it was kind of neat seeing a little bit of the, the TMNT take 
on all that, which was a little different, a little the same, uh, you know, which I think is the right balance to strike. Touch on a few of the similar touchstones, like the fact that it is that kind of structure at all, um, and then find new ways to build off it. And they really did. And I I didn't adore the cliffhanger on this one. It's a very... Um, it's a very down to earth cliffhanger. It's a very real world could happen to anybody kind of situation. Um, I, you know, just certain elements of the current political climate. Um, I don't know if I really want to see where, um, uh, Eastman and Campbell are going to take this story, but I'm, you know what, man, I, I, I have been on this book since issue eight and at, we are now at 140 plus, uh, numerous spinoff books, crossovers, events, etc. Uh, I'm on. I'm on. You guys know that I call TMNT the hands-down best issue-to-issue comic on the racks um, uh, for, for an ongoing narrative. And the fact that they're staying with the, the numbering at 140, good for them because you know how much uh, it gets old trying to figure out, like, w- which Daredevil 17? Although, frankly, just read Daredevil 17. Read all of them. But the point being, you know, when you have multiple volumes, there's a lot to keep up with. And I'm glad TMNT is not trying to uh, rack up the numbers on volumes and is sticking with uh, consistent issue-to-issue numbering. Speaking of TMNT, before I move on to the next thing, got to talk a little bit about The Last Ronin. Behind on that as well, but I just read The Last Ronin Lost Day special, and I got to say a couple of things about this. This uh, The Last Ronin, as you know, is a story set in a possible far future for the Turtles, where a single turtle is left and is forced to face off against... Um, um, uh, Hiroko Sakai, I believe is his name, the Shredder's grandson, uh, who is now controlling New York and causing chaos. Uh, and this lone turtle, I won't spoil who it is, um, uh, teams up with April, who is uh, doing her best to uh, fight the good fight in New York. And 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 uh, it's a, a hell of a tale. Um, it, you know, it is the the Dark Knight Returns for the Ninja Turtles uh, in a way, in a way, not in in every way, thank God, because Frank Miller. But you know the. Uh, it is a, a an exciting, uh, interesting, possible future for the for the for the turtle franchise, and it was a blast, and it did incredibly well. So obviously, a subsequent story, uh, the last Ronin, um, what is it, the Lost Years or whatever, is now ongoing. That is a, a mini series following this character a little bit before uh, the events of uh, the eponymous Lost Ronin story. Uh, so now, within this crossover, was a special one-off, the Last Ronin Lost Day special. This, uh, beyond the events of both this crossover and the original Lost Ronin book. Uh, in a point in time when uh, April is raising a, a group of new young turtle ninjas uh, who will uh, hopefully be the, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of the future. And a couple of things. One, this is an excellent one-off issue uh, in a possible future. That doesn't even, although there is action, it doesn't really lean on action trappings. It's more of kind of a day-in-the-life, slice-of-life kind of story. And with April at the helm and um, uh, the developing character of these four turtles, there's a lot to love. There's some great character moments from everybody. It does a great job introducing and developing the four young turtles in a way that, although I obviously don't know everything about them, haven't memorized yet, I I get a sense of who they are, and I get a sense of how they're different. And 
the the care that's being shown in in this world building is something special. And uh, whether you're a TMNT fan or not, I gotta say, um, if this uh, piques your interest at all, check it out because I think there's a lot there to love, and there's uh, few enough there in terms of content that it's very easy to get on board. You can find a lot of this stuff digitally. Back issues are out there, although some of those prices are getting up there because this is a popular series. Uh, but worth a check. Um, and I say that also as someone who doesn't typically love these kind of dystopian possible futures. That's not always my bag, um, but I liked this a lot. So check out The Lost Ronin. I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of new, uh, uh, talk about a new story and a, a I guess, a new um uh, a new adventure for a writer that I have uh, had a lot of love for this year. Uh, the Call Number One just came out from Image Comics. Uh, that is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Mattia De Julius, uh, along with, um, I think, inks by Hassam Otsane El Hau. I have butchered those names. Apologies to all involved. Um, and uh, But the work they're doing has been excited about the upcoming Birds of Prey she's doing. She seems to... Uh, have a love uh, for a lot of the same characters that I do, uh, like in this case, uh, upcoming Cassandra Kane, uh, and I'm I'm excited to see what she does with them. So when I heard that she had a, a new uh, creator-owned series coming out on Image, um, I was more enthusiastic than I normally would be, um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is because. Uh, of how much I have just clicked with every story of hers I've grabbed. So it really felt like a safe bet for me. Um, and that's coming from someone who has kind of shied away from independent series. Kayvon and, so, and uh, Fiona Staples' saga, Till the Day I Die, hands down the greatest comic out there, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But the I have been uh, disappointed personally uh, not to say that they're not, and it's not great work that you should check out, and I'm not going to say any names, uh, when occasionally I will follow a creator I love from um, the big two over to an independent work. There's a couple of times where their, their, their independent work just didn't grab me, and, I, and I've kind of gotten a little, little standoffish about that. But guys, I am so glad I, I, I followed this one, because the call number one is excellent. Uh, what a great and exciting tale. It's got... Hints of um, Stranger Things. It's got hints of um, uh, Cloverfield. It's got hints of Paper Girls. There's a lot to me that seems like it's going to be quite an adventure for our, our, our cast of main characters who, you know, like I was saying about Lost Day Special um, over on the TMNT side, they did a great job in this call number one of getting me familiar with the four or five i think it's just uh it's five no no is it six oh. writing and that's a big one for me because if i get done with the first issue in a world with a cast that i'm completely unfamiliar with you gotta give me some of those touchstones or i i'm not locked in um i'm letting my comic shop know i'm on i'm on the full run for this it, it's worth checking out and i even saw i actually got an email from my uh from my online shop about uh, uh, issue number one's hitting a second printing already. So that's great news for this book um, and, and for their project. I don't know if this is her first creator. Oh, God, no. Well, uh, I actually, I have no idea. So I'm not even going to try and speak to that. Um, but uh, I have uh, I, I started following her on uh, on her Substack recently, which is worth, uh, worth checking out as well, because I also learned that as she's making the transition over to D.C., uh, she had a story in the upcoming uh, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder, number two. And we've talked a little bit about these black, white, and books. And these are black and white books where a single color is used. Um, you know, we have your 
Uh, black, white, and redder for Harley is red is the signature color. There was a black, white, and gold put out by DC where for Wonder Woman where gold, because of the lasso, uh, gold was the one color used. And these are gorgeous books, you guys. Uh, you know, and I've grabbed the one I'm currently reading over at Marvel also is that Darth Vader. Uh, I think it's called Black, White, and Blood maybe because, ooh, but that's really good. It's really good. These are all great if you're into anthology series and if you like the character at hand. Uh, and but this black, white, and redder, I'm you know I'm not the world's biggest Harley fan, but I I mean Harley, you can't go wrong. Like it's always going to be fun, good adventure, good action, uh, a little bit of a wink and nod to the audience. You know, not not quite like Deadpool level of breaking the fourth wall, but kind of like a like a little, like a wink. Like, I know there's more to this than what's here, you know? And I, and I love that about the character. Uh, and it's one reason why I do occasionally come back to her books. Um, the uh, original Paul Dini, Harley and Ivy three-issue miniseries, of course, is a classic. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, everything on Batman the Animated Series is amazing. And I've read some other books that I've enjoyed, and this was absolutely a great pickup. Uh, this issue number two, uh, you've got a story from Kelly Thompson and Nanny Wu with lettering by Clayton Cowles, and uh, it is excellent, called Origin Stories for Dummies. And it's Harley jumping in to some of the other uh the pants of some of the other big DC names and uh, there's a lot of mayhem and it really kind of gave me a sense of the, uh, the HBO max show uh, Harley Quinn, which um, of course uh, voiced by Kelly Cuoco uh, is a lot of fun as well. So it, it had that same kind of sense of, of chaos and, and fun. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've shouted how much I love Captain Marvel on this podcast and, and how I just think that Kelly is a writer to watch right now. Uh, and, and I'm still getting to know a lot of the, of, of the back work that she's done. Um, uh, so I don't know a ton, but uh, definitely uh, the call number one. You got to check this out, you guys. This is a series uh, worth watching, uh, worth reading. And if you're a Harley Quinn fan or a DC fan at all, or you just enjoy these black and white and blank books, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder number two was also worth checking out. Let's talk about another writer who I love a lot lately, uh, and I've also kind of just semi-recently discovered, and that's Jed McKay. I'm a big fan of Jed McKay's work over at Marvel. Uh, and, uh, I, have been following his Dr. Strange and I've talked to you a little bit about this. Uh, and this week I've been reading Dr. Strange number six, which I think I'm about an issue behind, which is pretty good for me. Um, and it's setting up some really good world building in the doctor's past to really set up some crazy conflict going forward. So if you are a Jed McKay fan, if you have been on the fence about Dr. Strange, about this new book, uh, since it came out on the heels of the Clea Strange book, which was so good. And that's the book that really uh, opened my eyes to what good work Jed McKay's doing, because he's been a name at Marvel for a minute, uh, at least a minute longer than I've been paying attention. But but this Dr. Strange is great. This number six. And we meet uh, General Strange. So, you know, honestly, I'm going to say it's not quite a multiverse situation. It's not that. But if you enjoyed getting to know these different versions of Steven in some of the recent MCU projects, I would recommend checking this out as well. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, let's see. Let's jump over to DC for a little bit. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I know I was there a moment ago with Harley, but uh, I'm actually going to probably close out the show with this uh, because I have jumped waist deep into the Night Terrors crossover that DC is doing right now. It is... Um, a four issue mini with an additional one shot uh, on both ends. So I guess six issues technically. Uh, and then there are a series of two issue um, uh, side stories uh, for a handful of characters. Uh, obviously your big three, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, as well as 
Uh, several other expected ones, Green Lantern, I believe The Flash, uh, Shazam for sure, and then a few uh, more surprising ones like Black Adam, uh, Ravager, Joker, uh, Zatanna, uh, and it is, um, so far in my opinion, it has been largely a hit. The core Night Terrors book has been very interesting. I have read uh, the opening uh, salvo, I don't remember what it was called, and then Night Night Terrors numbers one and two, so I'm about at the halfway point through the story. And although um, uh, the big three get a little bit of screen time early on, and there's plenty to read about them in their own books, the real hero here is Dead Man. Boston brand, uh, you know, a uh, circus performer, uh, died, uh, was probably murdered. I don't honestly know his origin story. I should. Um, and, but now he, he lives, uh, his life as a ghost and he's able to possess people and use their bodies to, um, do acts in the, the physical realm. And I won't get into anything else about what's going on, about who he's, uh, in who, whose body he's in to get this done or whatever. But Boston brand dead man is the, the character, at least so far through the story has been the main protagonist trying to figure out uh uh this new villain nightmare who is chasing after the nightmare stone um and that is is wait is it nightmare or is it insomnia i can't remember uh let me see what i got here insomnia yeah okay sorry about that you guys so insomnia is the villain uh, who is searching for the nightmare stone in the dreams of people across the world. And the entire world has been forced to sleep, with a few limited exceptions, as we're learning as the story goes on. And that's what these two-issue miniseries are about. So I'm also now halfway through several of the miniseries, uh, showing what's happening to uh, many of your favorite heroes as they endure insomnia's uh, evil machinations. And there have been some real wins across the board. Uh, one or two that I've really loved, and they've all been solid. Um, uh, I read Catwoman number one, probably the weakest of the bunch in my opinion, because it kind of just dipped. It was kind of almost a, a side story that dipped too much into stuff that I wasn't really connecting back to either the main book or Catwoman lore. And that could be on me. Unfortunately, I have some big gaps in my Catwoman history and even the current series by Teeny Howard, which I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed Teeny's Catwoman. Um, uh, there's still times where I will go weeks without reading it. And I, you know, I only got so much memory space in this aging brain. So there could be stuff that I'm simply not remembering. Uh, it is a competent story. Teeny always does a great job. The art, of course, has been gorgeous on this. Let me see who is doing that. Um, where is that page? And of course, I'm not wearing my glasses while I'm doing this, which is all making it even harder. So, you know, guys, this was almost a professional podcast. Uh, I will look for that. Lee's is the last name. Is it Lillian Lee's? Gotta wear your glasses, guys. Catwoman's not bad. If you're if you're into the character, I still recommend picking it up. I'm glad I read it, but it was uh, you know I've got a short stack here, and it's probably the one I've liked the least. Um, Nightwing uh, number one was good. Uh, that was by Becky Cloonan um, with art by uh, someone whose last name is Conrad. I didn't prep this part of the show, did I? Michael Conrad. Oh, Michael Conrad. I've heard of him. Uh, Becky Cloonan, of course, uh, we've talked a little bit about her on the show, uh, a, a definitely a storied writer. Um, not always my favorite, but I really enjoyed this story. Uh, I think she's doing a hell of a job on this. Uh, and this has got a crazy cliffhanger that definitely has me curious to see what's going to happen next week and is definitely playing uh, to Becky's uh, strengths in some of the characters that she writes. So Nightwing number one, uh, definitely like that as well. Shazam number one uh, focuses largely on Mary Marvel, um, which is a, a, an interesting choice 
choice. She's had quite an interesting story since the Lazarus uh, storyline uh, that crossed over the Bat books and beyond, uh, and then into the the Shazam and um, Amazonian territories as well. Um, so this is kind of playing a little bit off that, along with some just kind of classic uh, Shazam family stuff. Um, a great story by Mark Wade. Um, the art by Cruz. Uh, well, you know, once again, did it to me again, you guys. Man, that one's small, too. Uh, but the really great story, and I like how it's incorporating not just Mary, but Billy as well. That's been a good one. And the Batman book has been good, too. The Batman book has been good, too. Roger Cruz was the penciler on that Mary Marvel Night Terror Shazam book. The Batman book has also been good. That one is being written by Joshua Williamson. And we've talked a lot about how much I like Joshua Williamson's work on Superman. Uh, so it was interesting to see him grab uh, the bat, uh, especially knowing that he's going to be doing that Batman and Robin number one, which is just around the corner. That might be this Wednesday, you guys. Um, but this is, uh, or is it Tuesday now? Man, I'm getting my days mixed up. I got to go hit the shop and find out. Joshua Williamson, Gillum March uh, with Tomo Mori and Troy Peter on that one. Uh, this one was good too. A uh, wild cliffhanger on Night Terror's Batman. I'll tell you that. That is uh, something that, if it stays with Bruce after this event, could have an interesting impact. Um, and just talk about two more as we wrap up the show. Uh, this one was the biggest surprise for me and the only one I grabbed off the rack because I knew I was going to uh, read everything else since these are all books I've already been reading, i.e. Catwoman, Batman, and Shazam. Uh, once more, by the way, if you have not read Mark Wade Shazam yet, go check it out. It does not excuse everything he said, but it's a start. Uh, the Joker, number one. This was good, you guys. I didn't know what to expect here. This crazy cover with him looking miserable at an office job. Matthew Rosenberg is the writer, Stefano Raphael is the artist, uh, and, and this goes places I did not expect with a Joker book and definitely shows us what a nightmare would be like for the Clown Prince of Crime. So that is, if there's any of these two-parters that I, I think you, you should check out just because of how wild and weird it is, it's this one. Uh, and I really, really liked the next one. And the next one caught me off guard because whereas all of these have so far felt as if they are isolated things that are just kind of like a little side story during the night terror story. This one feels like it might end up being part of the main narrative and that's night terror Superman. And that is also written by Joshua Williamson, who of course is writing the main Superman book right now and doing just a hell of a job. That book is so good right now. You guys, uh, he's got Tom Tom Riley, excuse me, handling the arts, Nathan Fairbairn, who we all know and love is on colors. And this has a great kind of like, um, Darwin Cook look to a lot lot of it, which is really, really fun. And it's a really pretty book, you guys. And then the way the narrative plays out on this, not in the dreamscape that Soups is in uh, throughout the book, but for what's happening in the real world, really sets the cliffhanger on this to possibly be impacting the main book, which is why I very suddenly got a strong sense of a, uh, you know, Final Crisis Superman of Three Worlds or whatever the hell that, that crossover was or that, that spinoff was called, which is when back when D- DC had the Final Crisis crossover and there was this very important details that happened in another three-issue mini that was tangentially connected to it. It was a weird scenario that when they eventually uh, collected it as a trade, those three issues kind of got stuck right in the middle of the main Final Crisis story, and it was a weird thing to do. So I don't know if that's what's happening here, and if I just missed uh, a heads up that I, I needed to read this as well, or or what. 
I'll report back on that, you guys. But the main point here is that Night Terrors has been really enjoyable, and as a uh, event crossover goes, um, it's been a blast. So that's what I got for you this week, you guys. Lots of great new comics, uh, and by new, I mean like two months old. Lots of great old comics uh, for you to check out, uh, and especially uh, if you haven't yet, especially uh, that call number one just came out last week, and I, like I said earlier, the, the news of the second printing uh, was today. So this episode is going to come out. I'm going to drop this a little early this week. This will come out on uh, Monday. And we will, uh, so go hit your local comic shop uh, this week and let them know you want that one if you're interested. Uh, as always, you can reach me at HiltonPrice at gmail.com. You can listen to other fun shows I'm involved with on the OLA Ministries Network. That includes Opinions Like A-Holes with Michael Zampino, where we touch on opinion, excuse me, touch on entertainment topics with some of our favorite creative people from our Tulsa community and beyond. Uh, you can also check out the People Persons Paper podcast, where me and Brian Settler are going episode by episode through every episode of the hit NBC sitcom The Office. Don't forget to check out Maximum News, where Michael Zampino and his co-host are looking at the latest news topics and digging deep into to politics and political affairs. And of course, we've got some fun shows like Binge with Terrell Norton and Podcasting to Perfection on the network as well. There's always something to listen to on the OLA Ministries Network. And as always, I will see you guys when I see you.